Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention Metatopia at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 276, How LARP Online Community Emerged. Presented by Garrett Ranninghouse, Tara Clapper, Acacia Felton, and Kate Hill. Okay, hi everyone. Uh, thanks so much for coming to this panel. Today's discussion is on uh, live action online gaming, how a community emerged and brought sad, brought joy to sad LARPers. Not sad joy, um, but maybe sad joy, who knows? It is LARP. Uh, so uh, today we're gonna be just having a really good conversation um, about what is online LARPing and how you can find it and how you can kind of also, we're gonna be focusing a lot on how we're gonna be able to build community around online LARP. Um, so I want to let my fellow panelists introduce themselves, uh, quickly just say who they are, pronouns, and give us a little bit of an idea about where we can find your cool stuff that you're working on before we jump into the questions. So uh, I'm going to start with Tara. So Tara, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Tara M. Clapper. I have been running digital art since 2017, and you can find me at geekinitiative.com. And my pronouns are she, her. And Akata. Hello, my name is Akata. I am your surprise extra panelist. I use she, her pronouns. And you can find me on luminaryroleplaysociety.com. It's the nonprofit LARPing group I run out here on the West Coast. And Garrett. My name is Gerrit Reininghaus, um, he, him, are my pronouns, my accent is German, I'm from Germany, and, uh, but you can call me Gerrit, you don't have to say Gerrit, um, but whatever you prefer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as uh, G Reininghaus, try to spell that correctly, or on Twitter, uh, on Facebook with Alles ist Zahl. I'm also active at the Gauntlet community. Awesome. And I'm Kate, uh, um, pronouns she, her. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can also find my community that I run also on Facebook. It's called LARP Shack. It's behind me. It's five teardrops. Um, it's full of good LARPs. Uh, and uh, we're out in Durham, North Carolina. Um, and then I also have, I put a plug down there. The other place you can find me is I'm the project manager at the moment for Make a Scene uh, and their LARP anthology that they are doing um, coming out in Kickstarter in January. So those are some of the things that we are doing. Um, and with those introductions out of, the, out of the way, I'm going to ask, and I'm, this is going to be something I'm going to give to everyone. And I will let folks know, sorry, before I go, we have questions that we're going to be going through, um, but we are going to be saving the last 15 minutes uh, of this panel for any questions or comments that you all have uh, that you can put into the Twitch stream. If you do know that it is a question that you want to have us asked, please write question and then put your question after it. That helps the moderator know that's something that you want to have asked to us. Great, thanks everyone. Okay, 
So we're going to start with the first question, and I'm going to give this first to Akata. Sorry, Akata. Um, the scary this is the scary thing of a definition. Uh, what do we consider when we say online LARPing? What do we mean by online LARPing? Um, I mean, for me, online LARPing is any LARP that is primarily handled online, that there are in-person LARPs that have technological components to them. But if your primary means of communicating with your, of interacting with your other players is going to be through a local network or an online space, then to me, it's an online LARP. Uh, Garrett, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? How would you define online LARPing? Well, most importantly, it doesn't matter how we call it, if it's digital LARP or a live action online game or online LARP. However, I went with uh, the definition of a live action online game, short for LARP, because I think it is important enough that it de deserves its own word and is not just uh, adjective, something which already exists. That makes it easier to connect to certain communities, but it also says it belongs to this community and is not something new and independent. And I found it so exciting. And also because my personal background is more from tabletop RPG, I thought like, I do laugh. Yes, I, I admit <laughs> it in this, what I'm doing. However, I think it is something which belongs to everybody. And also I think the LARP community has, and we might later come to that back, also has its own definition and we can create something new here. So let's go with it. So for me, it's live action and it's online and it must be a game. But the, th the good thing about game is that games are very open in definition in its in the Awesome. Uh, I'm gonna jump to myself and I'm gonna say for me, I, I don't really have much to add uh, to what Akata said. That's kind of a similar definition. The reason I wanted to ask this is because there's actually within, of course, because it's academia and academia loves to define everything to the nth degree, and that's my background, there is a quite a, a large discussion about what the difference is between digital LARP, online LARP, and remote LARP. And all of these things are different, apparently. So that's why I was like, what are we actually talking about? Um, for me, online LARPing is pretty much what Akata said. Um, characters and players inhabit their characters with little outside description of action and embody their character through voice and movement impossible. It is played simultaneously with other players in conversation using collaborative tools over the internet. I think that online LARPing is often synchronous um, and that's kind of what makes it different from uh, remote play or other types of like ARG games and things like that. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, I don't know if that's actually true. Um, we'll, that's, that's my own definition, but uh, Tara. So I've been calling it digital LARP for the last few years, but I've also learned, I've also LARPed with Garrett and learned that what we do has much more similarities than differences. I think for me, the big thing is that it's largely non-narrative, uh, which was also included in Kate's definition. So the majority of the gaming experience is player to player, or I'm sorry, character to character interaction. When I'm talking to you, we're in game. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to involve video. I don't, I don't love gatekeeping the definition because I already feel like everything I've done in digital LARP has been 
largely gate kept out of LARP, um, especially pre-pandemic. And that was a bit of a struggle. So the last thing I want to do is gatekeep people who are doing even more innovative things than I'm doing, just running it, you know, on Zoom. So I'd like to leave it more open. I like the idea that it can mix in with asynchronous text, with, um, you know, other formats, other programs that we'll talk about later. But um, largely, I want to say that non-narrative piece is kind of the biggest sticking point I have with it, that, that a large portion of it, the majority of it should be character to character, face to face, or at least character to character as much as possible. Awesome. So you can see we all have a little bit of different definition, but we're all kind of talking about the same thing. And I think we can all agree that we don't want, we want it to be an open, even though academia might be like, you need to have a very specific definition. Uh, we all, I think in general, want it to be a relatively open definition and a welcoming definition um, for this style of play. So as a little bit of an icebreaker, so you can know a little bit about us and what online library might look like, um, I'm going to also ask folks, what is your best experience with online or one of your best experiences? So you don't get like me and you're like, oh my God, I have to pick my best experience ever. I can't figure it out. Um, what is one of your best experiences with online LARPing? And I'm going to start with Garrett on this. Themselves. Oh, yes. <laughs> so many experiences. And first I have to generalize uh, and have to say best experience for me is most of the time when I feel like something was done, which is like putting my expectations upside down. Uh, so especially when you say, for example, um, Mo Holker has a game after dark. I haven't played it yet, but it's exciting because you are not supposed to talk in this game, although you're on camera and you are not muted. But there's a virus out there and it is caught if somebody makes noise. So it comes closer when you make noise. So you're sitting there and you will make noise in this game, but you're not supposed to. Well, at the beginning, when you look at the definition, you would think like it's a video call. So you talk to each other. There's call in there in the definition, right? So, but I go with something I already mentioned before as my best experience in other uh, contexts, which is uh, my own game makeup moments. I'm pretty proud of it. So that's why I mentioned it here. Uh, it's where you use the web camera as a mirror to put makeup on. And uh, you do that together so you can accompany each other in these in intimate moments of putting makeup on together. And the setting is that you are going to go out to a huge and fantastic party. So it's celebratory, the, the whole atmosphere. And that is what I like a lot about this game. It's very positive, it's encouraging, and it opens people up. And my favorite part is the debrief where we all talk about what makeup actually means in our real life. And that can mean very, very different things. And so this is a sh very short and very intense game every time I play it and I always learn something. Thanks, Garrett. So um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about, uh, I think my best experience as a G, I think I have a best experience as a GM, um, which was actually running my play test of my game Helvete, which was actually not originally designed to be an online LARP. Uh, and we had to turn into one or try to do it because, you know, you can't really play test a eight to 10 player game right now uh, in person. Um, but the reason that I thought it was so good and what this game is, is a game about um, toxic masculinity within um, a very specific context, um, the black metal Norwegian, the Norwegian black metal scene in the early 1990s. Um, but basically seeing that you could create, one of the things I love about LARP is side conversations. 
uh, and being able to move from different space and seeing that you could replicate that, which I did through Discord rooms and really create a good narrative and let people kind of shine in that side conversation um, was really amazing. And it actually captured the feeling that I wanted it to capture. Um, but so just being like, oh, we can still do that, right? Like this is possible, this is not a limitation. It might be different, but it's it's there. But I will say my favorite player game ever as a player was um, Jason Morningstar's game, Fix, Find, Finish, um, because it was, now this is a very dark, terrible game, um, but they had no, it, it used, again, it used technology to really highlight what it was trying to do. It's a game uh, in which you play people who are drone pilots dropping bombs on civilians. Uh, and trying to make sure that you are not hitting civilians, but you don't really know and making that call. But because you are playing without any video and only getting audio connection and orders, you really do feel that separation uh, and can get into that headspace uh, and understand maybe a little bit about how people could do remote warfare. It's a very, very intense game, but really, really highlights the, the, the use of technology to create a new experience. Um, Tara. I think for me it was incorporating ritual into play in a way that I haven't been able to fully do in person. And we did that during my LARP Sanctuary Avalon. I did seven different runs of it and uh, each run was so different, but there were a few experiences where I went through a guided meditation and we set it up so that this ritual space was something we were all kind of envisioning and feeling like we were standing next to each other but because we were all going through this guided meditation together but imagining different things it really brought us together a lot more um, as characters and in one of them we actually went we did like an underworld journey where we went and confronted other characters we confronted some npcs in the underworld and instead of making the game super narrative, we just did it through this ritual. And uh, I think employing the use of everybody's imagination to um, create their own narrative while also feeling like they were part of a group was really, really powerful and something I've never fully experienced offline and something about just kind of sitting in my own room while I was doing this just made it feel more immersive and impactful. Awesome. Akata. Yeah, so in some ways my story is a little similar to Kate's, that the most impact, like the best online LARPing experience I had was in May. So like kind of in, so in the Bay Area, there was the whole like three weeks of quarantine, eh, maybe it'll be a couple of months. And so May was very much the first month in which we were like, look, like LARPing has to be online for the next little while or maybe a long while, we don't know. Um, so how do we make this into more than just like a text RPG or like a silly game about, you know, cartoon characters or something. But like the, the question of how to bring that intensity of emotion and connection through an online experience. So, I ran a version of here's my power button using Google Meet of all things. And so help me, Kate can attest to this, the technology was a disaster. But despite all of that, like we had people play this game and have wonderful, amazing, deep experiences. 
that were every bit as real as if they'd been in person. And that was a moment for the, for the community out here to be like, oh, we can LARP online. And that was really nice. So um, hopefully that all helps you all know that if you've not LARPed online before or anything, that it can be done and it can be done really well and it can be done really impactfully. And that's what we're going to kind of talk a little bit about where you can find these places and how to kind of build that community. So um, another question, uh, where, speaking of all these cool LARPs, where have you found places to do online LARPing? And what were some things that happened in these places, right, that made it a good experience? What was it about the community or the places you LARPed that made that experience a good one. Um, so, oh my gosh, we're down to me. I get to start, so I'm cycling through the people in the row. I get to start to talk. This feels weird. Um, so uh, for me, uh, I think that, so places I found to LARP online, um, as I said, I run a group called LARP Shack. We've been doing online LARPing. We were kind of like how Akata's group was like, oh my gosh, we have to go online. Arp Shack was a group that ran in-person games for four years, um, mostly freeform parlor LARPs or parlor LARPs. Um, and we, in March, actually decided we have to go online uh, because we were going to run an international festival of LARPs and we couldn't do it. It was supposedly at the end of March. So we pivoted and switched. Uh, and we've been doing online LARPs there ever since, about once a month. Um, there's also the Luminary Role Playing Society, which I'll let Kata talk about more. Um, Valley LARP, which is a great group up in um, Massachusetts that started to be doing some really, you can find on Facebook and started to be doing some really cool stuff online. And then there's Tara's group, which I'll let her talk about more, and Garrett's group. Um, but I will recommend, uh, they'll talk a little bit more about this, I'm sure, but uh, their Remote LARP Facebook group is a really, really great place to find communities and 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 like weekend people are now starting to do like weekend long um larp experiences and online so it's a great place to find those resources but for me i think that like all those places i've mentioned but especially lrs valley larp and larp shack have been really great communities uh to do this and i think there's a few reasons and one is and if you're thinking about doing this for your groups this is something i would highly recommend um strong communication about technology used like strong communication bef well beforehand with detailed instructions about how to actually use that technology and what is expected of you uh, from that technology it really helps and that's been a really important um strong cultures of safety codes of conduct relic regular safety rules the ability to sign up for games beforehand while also making sure that there are social spaces available for eating together or general online hanging out so if you can't get into a game or something like that, you can still chill and see people um, and feel like you're part of a community. And then the other thing that's tied all these groups together is there's been this great culture of experimentation. When we all know we're all kind of making this up and mistakes happen and we are very kind to each other when things don't work and when things need to be adjusted and are all very forgiving because we are all doing this like, Garrett and Tara especially have been like kind of the experts in this for a bit, but like, especially for a lot of us, like for me, I had played online LARPs before, I played games with Tara, but I had never run them, I had never communicated, organized them before March, and 
having that type of community that we're like, we're in this together and we're going to fail at some things and some things are not going to work and we're going to learn a lot, but we're going to be there together. That's been uh, really, really important. And finally, I'm probably talking too much, but uh, people who are new are excitedly, enthusiastically welcomed, especially if they're new to LARPing and have never done it before. Um, incredible enthusiasm and excitement for their their experience. So Tara, what what where would you find online LARPing? I don't know if you know anything about that. Uh, and uh, what do you feel like makes that a good, ex what, what do you feel is important to make that community a good? Ex so for a while, there weren't many spaces to find it. And I finally uh, connected with Garrett and I had made a then very small Facebook group called um, digital live action remote LARPing or something of the sorts. Uh, we'll have the link in the chat. And now we co-admin that group and of course it grew um, and it's it's huge. So um, that's kind of my number one recommended place. I also have the Geek Initiative LARPing Gaming Community, which is my own group, which is about 600 people in it now on Facebook. And one thing I found is, um, you know, I, I can manage a community and I can design LARPs, but it is very hard to do both. So I focus more on designing and managing like my smaller core group of players. And then also making sure I can take those games to places like Valley LARP and LARP Shack. And um, I'm really grateful to have a place to, to put them basically. Uh, so I think one big takeaway is that the community management and the creation of online LARPs are, can be different. Um, I'm also kind of in a weird space because I do, I have some free options that I put out there. Um, and then I have um, LARPs that cost to play. I do offer accessibility tickets for people who can't afford them. Um, and it's not like I'm making a million dollars off of them. It comes out to like four bucks an hour for me after I, you know, pay everybody else. But, um, you know, I, I realized that for part of, for that, for those games, you know, I am responsible for being the community manager and having that code of conduct and all that stuff. All of that comes along with, um, with running LARPs and organizing things as soon as you, especially when you sell a ticket, um, then you create that like customer service experience. So I'm grateful to be able to play test in a bunch of places, um, to run games, you know, at different festivals and stuff, because, that's the real community like that's who's really kind of holding it up and giving the rest of us time to not manage everything like Garrett and I have both been around a while but like this way now we don't have to manage everything we can actually spend some time designing and participating in stuff like this and it's not all on two people to manage everything so I'm really grateful for that definitely um conventions festivals uh, has been huge and a great way to find people from around the world. Um, I was able to interact with a lot of people actually at Gen Con. I was one of very few people running LARPs online at Gen Con and got a huge number of people interested that normally would just show up and play in person. So um, that was really cool. And I've also found that with that kind of community, the, expect the expectations coming in can be a little bit lower for the those new LARPers are so enthusiastic and they're like 
this is so entertaining versus somebody who's been playing 20 years and they're like maybe a little jaded and they have some you know some expectations so that's been really helpful too to find those communities awesome uh, akata sorry my thing got muted that's okay um, so I'm going to echo a lot of what Kate said, the Luminary Roleplay Society, LARP Shack, Valley LARP, they're kind of like communities that are kind of self-organizing around small one-shot LARPs. Um, I think the one thing I will add to that is uh, Allison Joy, who pretty much single-handedly, as far as I can tell, made Summer LARPing happen and is an incredible driving force behind ExtraCon, which is happening in February that those are like those are spaces that used to be online and have, those communities have pivoted to being online in order to like continue the LARPing. Um, so that's where I find online LARPing is knowing Allison. Um, as for things that make these places a good experience, I think that like in all of these cases, these are communities that existed before we went online and they are continuing communities. There are people who come back year after year or month after month to these and they help even even in an online space, they help to create a sense of community and to model the social norms. So as community organizers, we have created things like our code of conduct and all of the standard safety rules. But having a body of players who are 80% people who already know this and are already doing this help to create a culture where you are expected to you know behave yourself and all of these things um the one thing i wanted to tack onto this is olivia montoya has dropped in the twitter chat the link to a really large repository of larps that are available online so if you're looking for something to like run as a one-off for your folks that you know that's a great place to start and I also just sorry, I wanted to poke up and just say, but maybe Gary would say it as well, but the other place that I forgot to say is Golden Cobra this year also did all online LARPs. So now there are 53 online LARPs and other types of LARPs that you can play remotely. Go check it out. Garrett. Well, a lot was said already, which gives me the opportunity to dive back into history. And unfortunately, Tara and I met far too late so I felt quite alone at the beginning when in 2016 I went to Solmukotta, that is a, or some, also known as Knutepunkt, that's a design and play conference for LARP in the Nordic countries in Europe. And I was totally amazed what kind of games they are playing there. I heard about them on G+. Oh, so much missing G+, for all the kind of people I got to know there and what kind of uh, games I learned about and how you can play also community. Uh, kind of thinking and uh, then I moved to Guatemala in rural Guatemala I had no chance to play any games anymore which I just learned to love so much so I needed to find a way to bring that back into my life and then in that year end of 2017 Winterhorn came out which was a political game by Jason Morningstar where you play uh, a board meetings from uh, government organizations trying to tear down an activist group and uh, that game is supposed to be played uh, with a whiteboard and sitting around a conference table. 
but hey, modern governments, they have online conferences, right? So I thought it's the best game to put it online and to play with diegetic, uh, diegetic setups. So any technical difficulty would fall like into the game as well. And so trying to bring that game online, I learned a lot and that influenced me in saying, let's try more of these kind of games and what can be done online, which I can't do actually. So how can I turn this into an advantage and say like, this is how we could do it. But who was interested in this kind of games? Who was ready to play that with me? And I was active in a tabletop community that was the gauntlet. And there were many very open-minded kind of people who are also active in other communities and they um, encouraged me. And they actually were courageous enough to try that. And for many, it was the first LARP. Uh, and they said, I would never laugh. I would never do this kind of thing because I'm just too anxious, too shy. I have accessibility issues and so on. But suddenly I saw like, wait, they can play online and it doesn't feel so larpy for them. And there we go. And this was something where I thought like, we need to make more out of this. We need to promote this. And so I wrote the Laug Manifesto. That's a manifesto just as in this Nordish communities is also quite popular to write in manifesto if you discover a new style of game I thought this is a design framework and we should openly invite everybody to engage with that well there wasn't that much engagement until I learned about Tara and then I saw okay cool there's somebody coming from a totally different background and organizing labs as an event and not as a print to play not from tabletop and that was kind of amazing to see like a very different approach and also like how, how she organized her games so like let's combine forces let's do this together and um, not say but this is the real thing and this is not the real thing and I heard also that there, there were confrontations in the lab scene about saying this is not real lab because it's not physical it is physical and when I play the bad game I'm sitting like, like this and I scream and do stuff and so on and it can be physical but also it doesn't have to be physical it just has to be live action inside of us and that is the kind of spirit we try to bring into the communities where we were active in and also the communities which were created. The place where I would like to go to play these games are fortunately independent from me um, because uh, I'm just not smart enough to put all this up and I'm also not such a perfect community organizer, I think, uh, getting too emotional too quickly maybe. And uh, so I'm amazed to see stuff like Savoir LARP and uh, LARP shake out there and uh, Kinecon in Germany um, also there will be the Mittelpunkt convention in Germany next week for example and they invite online LARPs in and there was some hesitation at the beginning as well in the German scene as I can tell you however that has changed with the community uh, with, with the pandemic and that also opened up many people's mind about this and I hope this will persist and I'm quite optimistic. Okay, so we're going to move on to a few more questions. We've got a half hour left. Cool. So we can definitely hit a few more questions before we move it on to others. Um, so, uh, and I wanted to say, if you feel like you want to answer that, I'm going to be calling on people. But if you are not, if you're like, I don't have as much to say on this, or I feel like things have already been said, feel free to be like, I'm good. That's fine. Do not feel like you have to answer all of these questions. It's fine. Um, so the next question actually is kind of coming off of that community idea. So we're talking about what makes community good, but the question is, how do you build that uh, perceived community sustainability in online science? Basically, how do you make a community feel connected online and sustain that community online, especially some, some of us have had you know, online communities in the past and they just been keep going. But for a lot of us, it might be a transition to an online space 
and how do we keep that going uh, and keep that community moving forward and feeling like a community? Um, so uh, I am going to ask Tara. Always have something to give the audience. So ideally, especially if you're working, like I'm working on a for-profit model usually, ideally I would have another LARP ready to roll as soon as I'm done one. So I can say, cool, if you want to play the next one, here you go. Uh, but in the reality of this being one of my three jobs, I just don't have time to do that. But fortunately, there are so many awesome communities and opportunities that I always have something to give people when they say, okay, what can I play next? There's always something out there. So being a resource to them and always have having a place to point them to is fantastic. Another thing is really being in tune with what people want in terms of theme. And I tend to design for my community. So if people say, I want this genre or something that lasts two sessions instead of five, I just make something for them. Like I ask them and then I deliver. Uh, so listening to them and then kind of making on demand uh, for what the community is looking for really helps. Paying attention to what they like about other designs and communities is really useful. I've slimmed down what I do so much because I've realized how much people love just showing up to any kind of LARP and being able to play. Like they don't need a lot of preparation. So now I'm trying to be like, okay, no more than two pages for their character sheet, even though it's bespoke. And we go over all the safety stuff. Like they have to agree to a code of conduct when they fill out their character survey. But, you know, we go over all the safety stuff in depth, like in person before the game. So I know that it's more accessible to them if they can just kind of show up. The other thing is some players enjoy continuity and some players just want the one shot experience. So I try to provide both for them. Um, so right now I'm running a LARP called Cafe Afterlife about famous people who are dead and in the afterlife and trying to fix 2020. And each group gets to fix one small thing about the world as it is. Um, and then it affects the next round and so on. And then all these groups get together uh, in, a, in a kind of a grand um, discussion in December. So 2020 was quite the year to run this. And I, I'm finding that some people are fascinated with that continuity. Other people are like, it's not for me, but when is your next game coming out? So it's not me personally or my design. It's just some people like that continuity and that keeps them engaged. Other people, not so much. They just want the one shots. And I've even played around with going with like a Patreon model where I thought, well, maybe since, since like half of my players would play a game every single month, maybe they'll like just spend like a little less money and subscribe, you know, via the Patreon model. And I found that they didn't want to do that as much as they wanted to like pick and choose a la carte, which game to play, but they always want stuff available. So really having resources available, I feed them blog posts that I've made or that other people have written. Um, that really helps kind of keep it sustainable and really just giving, always giving them something to play or a place to go is kind of the biggest leadership thing I can do for my own little community. Awesome. Uh, Akata, do you have things to add or would you like to? Yeah, just real briefly, um, in terms of like 
community sustainability that for us, the big key was casual social events that had nothing to do with LARPing. That especially in the first couple of months of the pandemic, we were like, all right, I got time on a Thursday night. If anyone in our community wants to hop on a call and just talk that we are LARPers and we play characters, but we are also people. And when we like, we can like be there for each other. So that's where we get a lot of our continuity. Garrett, do you have uh, thoughts on this question? Oh, oh yes, Akata, I wanted to say something totally different, but now you already bring me to something uh, which inspired me the most, I would say, which is that at, um, at one online convention, we were visiting an, an animal sanctuary together. So that was not a game and it was just the best. And that is how the community of that weekend of where people are spread in different games and like, well, then they're seeing each other on Discord and celebrate what they played and exchange a little bit. That's all fine. But having been together in this animal sanctuary where somebody was there and with their iPhone walking around and showing us the different animals and we could all say hello, that was an amazing experience and was such an, a bonding experience for, for those who, who were there. Kinegon Con also had a Discord channel with a campfire background noise. So you actually had the feeling of sitting here, there with your marshmallows and in the cold. When me, I, I, some people even opened their windows, so it was a little bit colder, so it felt more like campfire. And these are the kind of little things which are not games and still are getting the best out of us what we as role players can do. And this is like what uh, how, how communities can celebrate each other. And I think celebration is, is cool. Open, being open to new ideas is super important. So this is such a broad field. And when somebody's like, uh, Crying Orion was just mentioning in the chat, like asynchronous versus synchronous play. And for some, it's the best and only thing to be synchronous. And for others, asynchronous games are, are, are cool. Go with the flow, go with it, try the game and uh, be open-minded. And in the end, reward all kind of engagement. That is what I learned in our Facebook group. Not just the designers are cool, but the community organizers are important. The people who are just happy to have played a game and say that are important. Then recently we had somebody who wrote like a, a tutorial for using Gather, like a two-dimensional chat platform. That is so cool. I, I, I didn't have the energy to learn Gather, but somebody wrote a tutorial for it like five pages and like step-by-step step guiding me through how to use that tool if I want to design a game in there. And that needs to be celebrated. That needs to be rewarded somehow by the whole community. And that makes a good online community that um, you value every contribution and you celebrate each other. I will just say, I um, will fully agree with what everyone says. I think that one of the things that makes that my community is that I've tried to do is try, I, I, our group isn't really set up much to do. We, so I love Akata's idea and now I want to see if people will join a, a, a job and hangout. Um, but one of the things that we're really, what we always do is uh, try to have a time that everyone can eat together if they want to, right? Um, one of the things that LARP Shack always did was we'd all go to dinner together, like in person. Uh, that was a really important part and I think what made our community really nice because we all again we're people and we want to connect to each other as people and not just 
characters, right? So we always have that. And, you know, some people will be able to join, some people won't, but we want that space there. And then we also always have something afterwards, which is like, because there's another important thing in person, we would always go to, okay, yes, a bar and have a few and have a drink and debrief and talk about what we just did that day. And some people come and some people wouldn't, but we still have that afterwards. So people can come and be in a voice hangout together if they want, or just join with their voice. And we can all have a conversation and just hang out, have a drink, hang out and talk about what we did that day. And remember that we're all people and that we're all in this community together. Um, so those are some things I think are incredibly important uh, for us. We have had a little bit of it. I mean, and I don't think that we're necessarily experts in this. I have, I have definitely felt that we've had a bit of a, uh, a fatigue in uh, online LARPing. Um, we started out strong and now we have, we have a core group of people who are really dedicated. Um, but, you know, I think it is a little bit harder to sometimes some people to, to make that commitment to do an online game um, when you're online all the time, um, which is definitely where we've lost some of, you know, new, but this at the same time, new members have stepped up and community has stepped up. Whereas old members who maybe were our original core have been like, I can't do this because of my Zoom fatigue, but the community is there for them when, and that's why I've had to tell myself, it doesn't matter if I only get 10 to 12 people to sign up for a weekend game. We are there for those 10 to 12 people and we make their day better and we give them a sense of community. So that's the most important. Um, and I'm like tearing up now. So I care deeply about this. Uh, <laughs> so Kate, come back. You went on mute. Oh my God, I can't talk. Um, so uh, the question I wanted to bring up was because I've heard, I want to just let anyone who wants to speak to this uh, be able to speak to this because I've heard this is not necessarily brought, brought up. Uh, in terms of accessibility, how do you make sure LARPs for online play are accessible in terms of both technology, in terms of all what all that can mean, right? Technology access, privacy concerns, and more traditional meanings um, of accessibility. So I'm just gonna kind of open the floor um, to anyone who wants to speak on this uh, because we only have about five minutes, but I wanted to make sure we hit this question. I'll start. Uh, oh, go ahead, Garrett. Yes. No, I just wanted to say Tara is the, the best expert to listen to also because of the other panel, which was just before this panel, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I try really hard to hit the accessibility. Um, I have chronic illnesses and um, I used to have a lot of financial difficulty too. And so for those reasons, I started doing LARPing online. Um, but I wanna say, you know, I used to be really like open and experimental with it. And I'd be like, let's stream everything. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And thank goodness nothing did go wrong. But over time, I've become more cautious and protective of the community of people's privacy. You know, um, I have a lawyer, I have like, you know, policies that people have to agree to before they play because we do want to protect everyone. The other thing I'm going to say about accessibility is I call it largely accessible LARPing because generally it is very accessible, but some people's accessibility needs will cancel out other people's accessibility needs. So we have to be mindful of that. Certain platforms are not gonna work for everyone. So sometimes I try to use different platforms, but just kind of something to be aware of. 
that just because it seems more physically accessible doesn't necessarily make it so for everyone. And to add on to that, um, what Kate was just talking about, the Zoom fatigue and just having so many online LARPs, uh, that's definitely a thing that's, you know, that's been happening, which is one reason I'm looking at, oh, well, we'll do a one shot here and then a weekend long game there and kind of varying it up to make it more accessible to everyone. I saw Akata doing this, so I want to ask Akata's thoughts. <laughs> sure. Um, I wanted to really kind of, I realized I don't have a way to do like a plus one, like you do on like a Facebook thing where you can be like hearts, hearts for that, that Tara was talking about moving to different platforms for different games. That that's something that our community tries to do is we run a game on Zoom, we run a game on Google Meets, we run one on Gather, this, that, because different people having different accessibilities to different technologies there's going to be a game they can make, games that are audio only, games that require video. As Kate mentioned, being very upfront about what those requirements are. Um, and then I had another thought that escaped, so we're just going to let it go. Uh, Garrett, or do you have I I do you have something to say to this? Uh, yeah, I have two two angles which are important for me. One is that I'm still learning and. Um, I make mistakes and for example, I designed an Alliance and Veils sheet, um, by the way, like in brackets now, Google Sheets, like the spread using spreadsheets is one of the huge advantages for live action online games compared to, because they are like little notes you can have always with you and you can see what the other characters are and com combinations you can use, drop down technology and formulas and all that stuff, which makes amazing new game design territory. However, Lines and Veils is one of the things which we usually do there because you can do it quite anonymously. And so you decide in this Lines and Veils which topics at the beginning of the game, which you explicitly don't want to have in your game or which you want to be veiled or which, which you are enthusiastic about. And I was made aware of a community member that the, the spreadsheet I have in place is not colorblind friendly and also hasn't a lot of contrast. So I could change that. That was quite easy. And it possibly helps some people and makes them feel more invited. But it wasn't at the beginning and it wasn't on my radar at all. Also, we have one community member on our Facebook group who is uh, also uh, making it explicit when we talk about platforms which are highly inaccessible for visually impaired people. I find this super important and to keep that always in mind. And uh, it makes me also think about like what kind of games can I design for a different audience, for a wider audience. And I also would like to say not every game has to be accessible for everybody. I think that is also important uh, to keep that in mind. I have a game where you drink alcohol. You can play the game without drinking alcohol, uh, but it is okay to have a run where you say, in this run we do alcohol, in the other one we don't. And it is okay to exclude sometimes also certain people, as long as there is, there is enough other things to do. And so don't constrain yourself uh, in your game design, but think about like what you could do to make your game more accessible. Uh, I think this, these are the two sides it has to this. Um, and uh, lastly, I think the accessibility also has a lot to do with, uh, for me, online gaming with family. And when you can travel to an online conference, uh, to a conference in real, uh, in real life, that is a, that is a privilege not only financially, but also availability and being able to just jump into one game from nine to 11. And then you're down with family duties again or taking care of 
for a person in need or whatever that's such an accessible element in the games we have and they should be celebrated but it leads back to the other question we had and sorry to get running us over time but i think it's so important it also makes running online events so much more difficult there isn't a magic circle and uh, that many events suffer in their second run now in the pandemic in terms of participation numbers live check is not the only one which started big and then got slow, uh, smaller it also has a lot to do with the magic circle missing that it is too much opt in and you just you can be but you don't have to and maybe you also are just too tired today but would you say so after your first day at a convention i'm too tired I, too tired i stay in my hotel room <laughs> not too likely <laughs> right and so somehow we need to think as a community as organizers of such events how can we create a virtual on magic circle and at the same time keep the accessibility high for having people being able to drop in and out so what kind of tools can we build to create a magic circle and without reducing accessibility is my main takeaway awesome and i don't have anything uh to add to any of that awesome stuff. Um, so I want to open it up for questions from uh, Twitch for everyone. Uh, so do Great. we have any questions? We sure do. So uh, Huggy Ray asks, do you think online LARPs will continue to be popular after the zombie plague has passed? And do you think it has the potential to become more widespread in non-LARP communities? Who wants to who wants to tackle that one? I want to tackle the second part more than the first. <laughs> my vision is actually to make um, my LARPs kind of like escape rooms I've become. Like you can go on my website, pick a LARP that you want to do, bring five of your friends, and then I'll set it up for you, make your characters, let's roll, you know. So yes, my goal by the end of the pandemic is to have a storefront that looks more like an escape room would and to have people think of these more like that like I go do this thing with my friends it's online cool people accepted online escape rooms in the general public right like non-LARPers play online escape rooms and they were like obviously right um, so to answer the second part of the question yes like that's that's how I see it surviving after the pandemic and i also see you know our core group still playing them as we do and as we did before the pandemic too uh, i'll say that i think that there's definitely still going to be a space for them um i think that it is so one of the things that i have as garrett mentioned like loved is that I've been able to, by doing online LARPs, we've been able to bring in so many people who we wouldn't been able to LARP with otherwise and, and bring them into our communities. And not just like from, because they're from, you know, across the ocean or anything like that, but because we have players as who are parents who could never make it to a online, like a full day LARP shack, but can drop in for a few hours and play a game uh, and that's like so important to them. So I think that the I is these are going to be really still there and useful um, for that kind of connection and that kind of accessibility. My hope is with LARP Shack um, that we will, you know, 
start in person again in some someday someday because we do love that that in-person community there is a value to that but that we will do a good a mixture right that we will be able to do in person but then also run online larps um and be able to have both of those happening simultaneously i don't think we need to have only one or the other i think they're both valuable art forms and should be continued yeah i i hope I hope so. Uh, and we made a survey in our Facebook group around like who would like to continue playing online when the pandemic is over. And there was a huge majority of people saying it will definitely be part of my gaming life in the future as well. However, like when you have a group nearby where you live, when you have your conventions where you go every year, <clears throat> then it seems to me that for many people, this is still their, their favorite way of getting into interaction and uh, totally fine with that. And I wonder how much time is left in their life for online gaming then. And technology makes it easier and easier from year to year, like quality of our video calls are improving. So it will be easier. There will be games which are perfectly suited to their needs, like also to play like a weekday evening, very short kind of game. Um, so in that sense, I see there's hope, but it also depends on us designers making games suiting their needs and what they want. If they can do what they currently can do, like transferring a lab into online space, or again, do face-to-face. -face. So it's, it, it depends on making good and uh, good options available online and interesting stuff available online for all kinds of tastes. And to the second part of the question, there are um, amazing games out there which try to drag an audience. Uh, like I, I always read about this phone calls where you, where, where you talk to an actor on the other end of the line. Uh, so I always wanted to be part of one of them, but I could never make it. And I wonder if that is going already relatively close but also i can't imagine normal in quotation marks like normal peeping people actually spending their time in that sense and but then i thought like come on sex phone lines are nothing else <laughs> than talking to somebody role-playing something for you together with you and you're you're also role-playing you are also not yourself in such calls usually as far as i know um so Maybe there is an audience and uh, maybe also there's even like uh, corporates are, which are interested in building teams. And that is something I find very exciting. Like I work in a company which doesn't have an office. We are 70 people. We live all across Europe, South Africa and in the, in the UK. And uh, we are looking for a year and gathering at the moment. And what kind of, kind of icebreaker kind of game we could play there. So I have the opportunity to do something with them there. So what can I do with people who are like in, in a business relationship usually with each other? So it has to be very, very small in terms of scope, what I expect for them, for them to do. But I think I could get them there somehow and do something which is maybe worth being called a game. Are you ready for the next question? Uh yeah. Uh, Kat, are we good? Okay. Yes, we are ready for the next question. Cool. Um, 
Cryan Orion asks what your take is on asynchronous versus synchronous play. You kind of touched on this earlier uh, because I feel there's probably interesting design space for both and some situations where asynchronous play might be more accessible, but also in my experience, it's much harder to keep an asynchronous game going. Uh, does anyone want to tackle that? I was going to say in my experience, um, we pretty much do synchronous play at LARP Shack and at Valley LARP um, because I think exactly what was mentioned. It is, you know, we're, we really try to make sure that people can just drop in, do something for a short period of time and then go and not have to think about it. Um, so that that's kind of where we've been at. I do think there's a lot of interesting design space for asynchronous LARPs. Um, and I think that Golden Cobras actually had a, you know, I'm going to be trying to do my first one, which is actually by mail, uh, or my second one um, by Liz Stong, in which we're all drawing terrible medieval uh, art, we're all terrible medieval artists sending each other art. Um, so I think I'm really excited, but like I had did do, I played in one asynchronous play test. And I think that it was a, it was really fun for the first two days. And then I, we all just fell off. We all just fell off a cliff right? Like everything got in the way and every, everything just died. <laughs> and I think that that's the issue. I like them and I think they have great design space, but you need a different kind of commitment to play that kind of asynchronous game. Um, you, you need almost that like person who did live journal text role play for like two, for two years mindset. Um, not that long, but you know, that, that ability to commit every day or every week, which I think is just a little bit of a challenging thing. So just think, yeah. I see Garrett doing this, so I want to. What's that? My finger, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm excited about asynchronous games if they are more than just genre writing, because I, I've seen those games, I've played those games, I enjoy these kind of games, uh, but what else can be done? asynchronously. And I'm thinking about Banana Chan's amazing, one of the first uh, logs for me, which is a solo asynchronous. It's, it's difficult to say that it's asynchronous because you play solo. So with which, with what shall you not be synchronous? <laughs> However, I, consin uh, I consider it like this. This is a video journaling game um, about uh, uncovering, um, that's, uh, they are onto me is the name, and you are uncovering the, the lizard man uh, conspiracy in your environment. So it's highly uh, um, pervasive. So you play it at work, you go to the toilet and say, I just saw my colleague and uh, stuff like that. And I always wanted to play such a game with somebody. I, I have the intimate kind of a relationship. So I'm, I have fun with it to think about that person and interact with that person in that moment. So I miss that person, for example, maybe in my life. So playing that game asynchronously is a way to interact. That is something how I could see making this more exciting for me and keeping up the the enthusiasm to play it over the time um maybe it also comes back to this mag magic circle of of larping that you can't stay constantly in one in your life but saying this immediately i think like prove me wrong <laughs> and you can prove me wrong and there is a game out there to be written which totally proves me wrong and yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to play that game to see that game <laughs> I think one of the best ways to kind of help the asynchronous game is to have set marks to hit. So something in terms of the game progression or the plan or the plot, 
or, you know, every two weeks we do X and to just kind of have something scheduled in. I found that to be pretty helpful, although most of the games that I design and play are synchronous. Uh, well, we're at oh, Akata. Uh, I was just going to ask real quick, Garrett, what was the name of that game? Uh, they are onto me. It's uh, by Banana Chen. Okay. And, yeah, um, it, so it, it, there's a free version in the Golden Cobra contest, I think. And then she also republished it in an anthology, which I also have, but I forgot the name. And there, okay. there she expanded a little bit. I just wanted to touch on, I think you use, you at some point use the term like lizard men. I don't know whether that's built into the game, but if our audience could be aware that that is an anti-Semitic dog whistle. So like, just like for, for folks to be aware of these things as we play games. Thank it's you. not. I will also say that it is not built into the game. I have read that game cool. and it is not just, built into I it. I haven't, yet. so I wasn't yeah. sure. And I wanted like to warn anybody in case it was. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, good to know. Uh, so we're at time, pretty much. So I just want to give everyone a very short period of time to say who they are again and where you can find them again. And uh, then we'll thank everyone for coming. So uh, Tara. I'm Tara M. Clapper. You can find me at geekinitiative.com or on Facebook. You can find me at the Geek Initiative LARP and Gaming Group. And I look forward to seeing you in game. Oh, shit, I did it again. Akata. Sorry, <laughs> I'm Akata. You can, she, her pronouns, you can find me on Facebook. Just tell me you found me on Metatopia or I'm not going to accept your, your friend request. Um, look for us online at luminaryroleplaysociety.com. Garrett. Uh, on Twitter, I'm G Reininghaus. Uh, that's possibly the best way to find me or join our Facebook community, uh, remote digital uh, live action online games, uh, or find me on the Gauntlet community. Great. And I'm Kate. You can find me on Facebook, whether it's like a cata, please let me know. You found me on Metatopia. You can also find us at LARP Shack on Facebook. Again, please let us know that you found us on Metatopia. Otherwise, we'll be like, who are you? Please, wh where, where are you coming from? Um, and uh, that's, that's it. Thanks, everyone, so much for coming to the conversation.